0: Today, we wade back into the transgender topic. We are going to uncover state-sanctioned racism, and the Inflation Reduction Act has already backfired. I'm your host, Zach, and this is Zach's Fact Shack. Hello, and welcome back to Zach's Fact Shack. I am your host, like I've already told you. Today, we're going to have so much to talk about, and I can't wait to get to it. Before we get there, I want to remind you guys the best place to like and to share this podcast is going to be at ZachsFactShack.com. That's where you're going to be able to reach out to me personally. You can contact me there. You can also find links to the best places to listen and watch our podcast. you got YouTube links there. You also have Amazon, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, all of your best places. That's where you're going to be able to find me. That's the best place to send your friends and family. They're going to be able to find links. If you don't want to do that, you can also go to YouTube and search Zach's Fact Shack. You, uh, you're going to be able to look for that in any of your favorite players, but that's the best place to go. It's Zach's Fact That's going to be what we, what just happened? Wow. i sorry. I know for audio, you like, what are you talking about? A transition just took place on my screen and I have no idea why it happened. Anyway. Let's get moving. Let's go on from here. So, today's first topic we're going to talk about is back into transgenderism topic, specifically when it comes to kids. See, if you're if you're eighteen and older, you're an adult. You're you have the ability to do whatever you want to your body. Um, but if you're a child, I think there are some rules that need to be put in place on what we are allowing to happen to kids. Um, right now, we understand as a society that if a parent is beating up their child, that we don't let that happen, right? We don't let them abuse their kids. That we have a, as a society have determined that that is morally reprehensible and we will not let it happen. We're going to intervene. What we have happening right now in society is the idea that if your child tells you that they're the opposite gender, as young as two or three years old, you must immediately start them on treatments to affirm this statement. Here's the thing. Have you ever spoken to a three-year-old? The topics of conversation are not very intelligent, and the conversation itself is even less intelligent. You'll have to forgive me if I don't believe that this child, who can barely form a cohesive sentence, is somehow going to be able to tell me their gender in a way that's different than what I can see right here in front of me. You got to forgive me on that. I, I just, I don't see it. But because of this ideology, because of this belief system that we have to affirm two and three year olds' beliefs in what their gender is, as let's face it, 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 three year olds think they're dinosaurs. Are we going to affirm that as well? No, we're going to say, hey, that's fun. Look at you. You're cute. Now move on. You're a human, not a dinosaur. Let's go. Let's go play. Right? We understand that it's make believe. We as adults, especially if you're the parent of the child, your job is to ground the child in reality, to tell the child what reality is, because they don't know. They live in a world of make-believe. They have a hard time understanding what's real and what's not. It's why they are afraid of monsters under the bed. There's no monsters under the bed, but yet they're afraid that there are because they can't distinguish between reality and fiction. So no, when they tell me that, they're, that they believe that they're a different gender than what they actually are, I'm sorry, that's not reality. That is fiction. But now we're having the medical world intervening. We know that the uh, Association for Pediatricians, I, I can't remember what the, the full name is, but they're, they are nationwide, just thousands upon thousands of uh, pediatricians are part of this association and they give you uh, uh, basically best practices. These are the things you should do for this for this illness or this treatment or this, this idea or whatever, when, and they help pediatricians do what's best for the child. The thing is, in 2018, they decided that hormones and affirmative action were the only way to treat a child that has said that they're a different gender, no matter what their age is. Now, Here's the thing, guys. Do you know what hormone treatment is? In particular for young children, it's, it's known as puberty blockers, meaning that it blocks the hormones that you your body naturally puts out to turn you into a sexually mature adult, right? We understand we've all been through this. It is a chaotic year through middle school into early high school, hormones raging everywhere, you are dumber than a brick, nothing makes sense. It's not an amazing time for most people. They're just like, get me, get me out of this. This is crazy, right? Puberty blockers stops that. So that means that the natural progression of your body is inhibited. The natural growth of your body is inhibited. The same hormones that allow you to grow, uh, for for men to grow larger muscle mass, they also strengthen their bones to be able to carry that muscle mass. When you block these, you forever stunt the ability of that body. It's always going to be in more of a childlike state. It's not going to be able to carry the muscle mass of, a full grown adult without issues it just isn't and we're finding that that's the case and yet still the leading edge people the most the the the, the most recognized the most powerful people in the medical field of pediatrics are telling us that kids know their gender seemingly from the womb Uh, And I I, I quote this. So let me show you one clip from Yale Medicine. I'm a
1: clinical psychologist by training, and I am the director of the Yale Gender Program, which is an interdisciplinary program working with gender expansive individuals, 3 to 25, and their families. We um, help individuals who are questioning their gender identity or who identify as transgender or non-binary. We help them with their gender journey, um, thinking through that, thinking through the risks and the benefits of uh, medical intervention, uh, starting medical intervention, um, and also building supports around them. And I love what I do. So it's really, really wonderful to, to be working in this field and to be working with individuals who are gender diverse and gaining their support and helping them on their gender journeys.
0: So gender expansive people. From 3 to 25. Now, like I said, if you're over the age of 18, do what you want. Go for it. If you want to mutilate your body, have at it. I think that it is a bad decision, but you do you. But as a minor, it is up to the parents to protect them from these terrible choices. Now, people are going to say that, so are you saying that trans men don't exist? Yes, I am saying that. Uh, Does that mean that there aren't people who think they're that? That they think that that there aren't women who think they're men? Sure, those exist, but there is no such thing as a trans man because you can't trans biology. You're either a male, a man, or a female, a woman. That's it. Those are the two things. No more, no less. We are a Two sex species. That's it. There is no in- intermediate sex that we, that we don't know about. Now, people are saying, well, what are the intersex people? I understand that there are people who have gene- genetic mutations that make the assignment or the classification of their gender and their sex harder at birth, but not impossible. There are some people who it's like, we, we're not entirely sure. And those are exceptions, not the rule. We can't make, we can't live a society based on exceptions. We can't. We have to live a society based on the rule. And the rule is that we have male, we have female. That's what we're at. And the idea that kids, who we already talked about, can't tell the difference between reality and fiction, should be trusted to tell me what they think their gender should be. No. That's, that's not okay. And yet, here we are with the, the statements of gender expansive people. What does that even mean? Gender expansive. Uh, guys. Guys. How about we deal in reality? And reality is simply this. There, is a, there are males. And there are females. They get together. They reproduce. And there's a new male or female. That's how the human species works. Kids cannot distinguish between reality and fiction. And you as a parent, if you are not helping them to do that, then I think you are abusing them. You are harming them because they as children cannot distinguish this. You as an adult have the responsibility to help them distinguish it, especially as the parent of these children. You cannot be putting on these children these unrealistic ideas that they are a different gender than what they are. That makes no sense. And yet, if you get on Twitter in the past few weeks, you'll have seen that Boston Children's Hospitals, that they're kind of been been in hot water. And let let me play you this clip because I I think it'll make it a little more make what I'm seeing a little more.
2: So most of the more patients sense. that we have in the GEMS clinic actually know their gender, usually around the age of puberty, but a good portion of children do know as early as seemingly from the womb, and they will usually express their gender identity as very young children. Some, as soon as they can talk, they might say phrases such as, I'm a girl, or I'm a boy, or I'm going to be a woman, or I'm going to be a mom. Kids know very, very early. So in the GEMS clinic, we see a variety of young children all the way down to ages two and three, and usually up to the ages of nine. When they come into the clinic, they'll see one of our psychologists and we'll be talking to them about their gender, we'll be talking to their family about how to best support that child and how to make sure that that child has the space and support to explore their gender and uh, do well throughout their development and we'll be answering any parent questions a lot of parents do have questions and so we answer those questions. The biggest piece of advice I give parents uh, who are coming through the gender clinic at Boston Children's Hospital is to just be supportive Um, sometimes you might not understand sometimes you feel like you don't know the terms or you don't kind of get exactly what the child means when they say that they might be this gender but the biggest thing you can do is just love your child and support them and just allow them to express themselves that's the biggest protector as well against negative mental health effects such as depression suicidality anxiety that we worry about for our gender diverse kids and young adults so that support from a parent is one of the best protective factors and one of the best things they can do.
0: So, she makes the statement that supporting a child who thinks that they're transgender is the only way or one of the biggest ways to protect them from suicidation. But what we're finding is that if you go back and look that, and I've talked about this before in the podcast, in the years prior to uh, puberty blockers being readily available, the suicide rate in teens and children was much lower than it is now when puberty blockers and other hormone treatments are readily available. Now, that could be a number of factors, but it does tend to point to the idea that maybe, just maybe, that affirming a mental disorder is not good for the child now if a child was obviously underweight obviously i mean they are skin and bone you can see their rib cages you can see every single joint it just the 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 skin is just barely hanging on cuz there's no Meat. There's no fat to hold it and and shape it in any way. That person, you would not tell them that they were fat. If, but the reason that they look look like this is because they believe that they are fat. They believe that they are overweight. This is known as anorexia. That they believe that they are overweight, and so they eat less and less and less, and they starve themselves to obtain this image that they believe is the correct weight. Anyone who said, you know what? You are fat. I believe that you believe this, and I understand that you are right, and that I am going to accept this, and for that, I will not let you have food for a week. They would be instantly carted off to prison. Yes, and they should be. And I think in the same way, the people who are perpetrating these crimes on these kids should absolutely be carted off as well. Here's the thing. I'm going to show you a graphic. And if you're, if you're watching, I want you to understand this is graphic. All right. So if you have kids watching, this ain't, this ain't for them. All right. They need to walk away. But for everyone else, now that I've given you the warning, we're going to look at this and I want you to watch, I want you to see this graphic as I explain what is actually taking place. For you on audio, I'll explain uh, what's happening as well. This is actually what gender affirming treatment ends up looking like for transgender males to females. And I'm using those terms just so you understand what I'm talking about. They're not they're made up, but I want you to look at this graphic. And I'm going to explain. I have the medical terms here listed beside. I'm going to explain to you basically what they mean. And the first thing that we do, they uh, the doctor will in the procedure of turning the doing what's called a bottom surgery, uh, affirming a man into a woman, right, making them look more. Uh, feminine uh, below in their genitals, they will first cut open your uh, scrotum. They will remove your testicles. Then they will remove the skin from your penis. They will use your penis skin to make the internal lining of the fake vagina that they then push into your abdomen. And forgive me if I'm getting the medical terms incorrect or the medical names or things incorrect. I'm not a doctor. I think it's pretty obvious that I'm not a doctor. The penile skin sleeve that they create and in, turn into the vagina, they will then have to be stretched, all right? this skin will have to be stretched weekly for life. And the, if they ever skip, the skin will immediately begin to grow back shut because it shouldn't be there it will forever be an open wound to your body. Your body will constantly be trying to close it because it shouldn't be there. It leads to nowhere. It doesn't attach to anything. It's just a hole that goes so far inside of your abdomen. Now, sometimes they accidentally get the scrotum sac skin, the scrotum skin, inside that lining as well. And when they do, then pubic hair will also grow inside of this hole that they've created, causing infections and problems. Then they cut and reposition the two the the, the, the over lengthened urethra and they position it below this surgery and where they they've taken the penile glands and created a um, fake clitoris, they will then take that urethra and move it below it, and they will sew it into place so that you can attempt to urinate. They create the labia from your uh, from the, the the penile skin that they that they have remaining, and they will use the scrotum to create a more natural looking exterior. I understand that what I'm talking about is graphic, but I want you to understand that this, this right here is what these people are talking about doing to people who are, to people who believe that they're a different gender. Now, So far, most places do not do this surgery to anyone under the age of 17. This is still mutilation. And this surgery is the culmination of what has been going on with the puberty blockers. But here's, here's the problem with the puberty blockers, especially if you're a boy who thinks that they're a girl because again this we're getting into things that are graphic this are not for kids when you block the puberty and the hormones that happen the things that take place to the male genitalia to enlarge and grow and make it able to be usable for reproduction don't take place meaning that whenever this non pubescent boy grows to an adult age, the surgery is not doable because there's nothing there to work with. So on one hand, you have people telling you that this is the thing that you should be doing, and it's affirming. That you should absolutely put people onto puberty blockers so they don't they don't continue to grow into the gender that they actually are into the sex that they are into an adult male or adult female, and instead you've now butchered their chance to have the bottom surgery that they think that they should have in the first place. On the other hand, if you allow them to grow up without taking these puberty blockers, without taking these hormone treatments, most of them will grow out of that belief that they are a different gender and they will simply move on with their life and become fully functioning normal adults. And so the surgery is not needed. Either way you go, the surgery is not needed, guys. It's just not. There are people who absolutely believe that they are a different gender. I am not denying that. I am not ignoring that. And I understand that it is a reality for people that they are confused in this. But we cannot be allowing these unique situations to rule our understanding of what policies and procedures should be for children. And in fact what we've been seeing and remember let's go back to the uh pediatric uh, uh pediatricians association uh the the american academy of pediatrics is what it's called the this academy the aap in 2018 asserted that pediatricians should affirm and give hormone treatments to kids who said that they were transgender. And apparently, according to leaked internal files, this is from the Daily Mail. The, the, the headline reads Leaked internal files show pediatricians are angry with professional bodies transgender policy. Daily Mail.com obtained leaked files that exposed how rank and file pediatricians are slamming their academy for pushing puberty blocking drugs on teens and identify who identify as transgender. Pediatricians across America are at war with their own professional body over controversial puberty-blocking drugs routinely handed to teens wanting to change gender. The top child health experts accuse the American Academy of Pediatrics of pushing the harmful drugs on transgender-identifying youngsters, according to damning leaked documents. Disturbingly, the documents also reveal experts believe the AAP AAP, uh, is deliberately silencing internal criticism by blocking moves for a crucial policy review. The papers leaked by a whistleblower expose how rank-and-file AAP members across the U.S. are slamming the Academy's shoddy drugs and hormones-first approach by trans-identifying, to trans-identifying teens. They insist many would benefit from counseling or therapy instead and urge the professional body to follow a more cautious approach currently being adopted by similar bodies in other countries. Fast-tracking adolescents into powerful drug cocktails takes a huge toll on young bodies and can lead to sterility and osteoporosis, critics say. For many teens, transitioning is celebrated by others, but others regret the treatment, and seek reversals. The AAP says its guidelines to reinforce the gender a youth selects, including through drugs, cross-sex hormones, and eventually surgery, are evidence-based and that it is open to collaborative conversations on policy. But angry AAP members say the Academy changed its rules to block a member-drafted resolution to launch a policy review. It led to the review being sidelined at the Academy's leadership conference, which ended in Chicago on Monday. Instead, members took the unusual step of airing their concerns in the comments section of a separate resolution in the AAP's members-only website. In the comments leaked to DailyMail.com, AAP members said the, the Academy was endorsing great harm, that its care package for trans-identifying teens was based on scant and shoddy evidence, and that doling out drugs and hormones was unsafe and unsustainable. Before prolongating gender-affirming care, we have all of its ethical implications, irreversible bodily damages or changes, sterility, etc. Don't we want to be sure that this is the best path? Best path, wrote one anxious pediatrician. I agree. I do think that they should be thinking, wondering if this is the best path or not. Because like I told you, I've already been telling you, I don't think that it is. I think that it is a bad idea. It is not a good path to be on. It is harmful to children. It's harmful to teens. And it's irreversible. And that's the thing is everybody's like, no, no, hormones are not irreversible. Hormone treatment is not irreversible. You'll be fine. It is irreversible. What they are doing with your body is irreversible. You don't get to go back. You will never be the man or the woman that you were created to be. You just won't. And we're supposed to be okay with that? No. No, we're not supposed to be okay with that because it is wrong. And anyone who says otherwise is absolutely full of their own agenda. Here's the thing. We as a society need to step up and protect these kids and these teens from the harmful, dangerous, ideal Of transgender ideology. This is not okay. What we are allowing to be done to kids in the name of inclusivity is not okay. We are erasing children. We are making children live in nightmare scenarios, and that is not okay. Speaking of kids, let's talk about schools. I wanted to bring this up because many times when you are talking to someone who is uh, more liberal, you know, more leftist center, uh, they will bring up many things talking about how America is inherently racist and it is a society set up to oppress minorities I do not agree with this statement. I do not think that that's that is reality. Um, are there things that are unequal? Yeah, there are. This is this is humanity, right? We're not perfect. We do make things um, worse a lot of times, right? But in, in in the case of the United States, the United States has a dark history when it comes to race, absolutely. But here's the thing. The United States is not the only country with that dark history. So let's start out there. Let's start out with understanding that the United States is not alone in its dark history. Once we've accepted that, then we can move on and say, all right, so how do we fix our dark history? Well, one, causing people to have to pay for the mistakes and the sins of previous generations isn't going to fix now. Making the statement that all white people are to blame for the problems of any other society, any other um, race or ethnicity, is not going to solve any problems. What it's going to do is create a victimhood mentality in a lot of people where they're going to believe that they can't actually do what they want with their life. Now, I'm not sitting here and telling you that it's easy. I'm not sitting here and telling you that everyone has an equal opportunity. What I am telling you is that that's what we should be striving for is equal opportunity, but not equal outcome. Because, and people are like, so you're saying that we should, we should oppress people. And that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that equal opportunity means that you get the best, the same chance that everybody else gets. You have the resources that everybody else has. And when you walk away, you make your life, you push hard. And if you push hard enough, you will get to the opportunities and the outcomes that you want. But here's the thing. If you were to place me on the starting line of the Olympic 100-meter dash, I would have, equal opportunity, I would be in dead last place by a mile because I do not have the body that would be able to run and compete with the Olympic athletes who have worked their tails off to create a body that can endure and accelerate with mind-numbing speed to win this race, I had equal opportunity, but my actions, that the way I live my life now, and what I have done with my life now, inhibit me from having equal opportun- or equal outcome. But let's say that we wanted everyone to have equal outcome. So instead of me starting at the same spot as everyone else and running as fast as I could, but understanding that, look, I'm slow. All right, I'm out of shape. I'm not healthy. So instead they move me to 10 feet behind the finish line. Who do you think's going to win that race? I look, I may be slow, but I can cover 10 feet, especially if you put a donut on the other side. I'll get there. Don't you worry. Now, that is the idea of equity, of equal, oper- or equal outcome, where you manipulate the situations that people have to force them to have an equal outcome. But the thing is, who really wants to have the exact same outcome as everybody else. Now, I'm not saying that people want to have bad outcomes. I'm not saying that. Most people aren't looking for that. What I'm saying is that the people who are fighting for everyone to have the same outcome, do they really think that everybody wants that? I have no interest in running a 100-meter dash. I have no interest whatsoever. Does not interest me in the least. So to force me or to give me advantages there to win the gold medal but not actually have succeeded in winning the race, because let's face it, if I get the gold medal for going 10 feet when everybody else went 100 meters, that's, that's not winning. That's not succeeding. I didn't do anything. I was born on third base and thought I had a triple. That is not equality. Equity is probably the single worst thing you could ever fight for. And this article talks about what people are calling equity and the outcome of it. So let's read. This is from the New York Post. The title reads, Minneapolis School District defends plan to lay off white teachers first. Minneapolis Public Schools is defending this deal with the Teachers Union to lay off white educators ahead of their less senior minority colleagues, arguing that it is a necessary measure to remedy the effects of past discrimination. The school district released a statement to the Washington Times on Tuesday offering a full-throated defense of the groundbreaking deal with the Minneapolis Found- Federation of Teachers led by President Greta Gallaghan, or Callahan. To to remedy the continuing effects of past discrimination, Minneapolis Public Schools and the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers mutually agreed to to contract language that aims to support the recruitment and retention of teachers from underrepresented groups as compared to the labor market and to the community served by the school district, the district said in an email. It it, It was previously reported that the terms of the labor contract were to protect, quote, underrepresented populations and keep the district's predominantly white staff from becoming more homogenous. Under the agreement between the Minneapolis school district and the teachers union, minority instructors may be exempted from district-wide layoffs outside seniority order. The language of the contract reportedly states, Starting with the spring 2023 budget tie-out cycle, if accessing or reducing a teacher who is a member of a population underrepresented among licensed teachers in the site, the district shall reduce the next least senior teacher who is not a member of an underrepresented population. So what they're saying is that if you... Are white, it doesn't matter your seniority, if there's a statewide, countywide, citywide, whatever, districtwide layoff, if someone who is a uh, lesser seniority than you happens to be a minority, you will be fired instead solely because you are white. Not because you're a better teacher or a worse teacher. Not because you have more experience or less experience. Not because you are loved by your students or not loved by your students. Solely because you are white. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing more. Just that. Yeah. They're going to remove... Teachers based solely on their race. Forgive me, but the last I checked, the definition of racism is to treat someone differently solely because of their race. Sounds racist to me. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that Oh, woe is the white teacher. They're just, they're so unloved. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm simply saying is that the policy on its face is absolutely racist. There's no other way to look at this. It is racist. It says that one person who is of a certain race is better than another person who is of a certain race. No other qualifications included. Simply, do you have a race or do you not have the race? If you do not have the chosen race, then you are not okay. It's simply that. This is the same ideology that Hitler spouted. That if you were not of the chosen race, you were less less than, you were inferior. Now, people will say that, no, this is just equity. Exactly. It's equity. It's wrong. It's discriminatory. It's bigoted. I mean, how many ways do you want me to say this? It's not okay. It's not good. It's not right. Why in the world would we be sitting here reading this and anybody supporting it? That makes no sense. It's not okay, guys. And I understand that there are people who, I'm not saying that this was done nefariously, that people were sitting here, oh, we're going to get the white people. (laughs) I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that this policy People are talking about how racist America is, and I keep telling them, look, until you can show me a a law in this country that affects one race uh, over the other and, and is designed to do that, then you can't tell me that it's systemic racism. This here is systemic racism. This is the system absolutely targeting a certain race over another. If you flipped this agreement, if you flip this agreement and you said simply that no white teacher will be fired before minority teachers of lesser rank are fired, we would have another war over that. Rightfully so. That's racist and it's wrong. But simply because the minority teacher cannot be fired before all the white teachers of lesser rank are fired, it's suddenly okay. How? Look, I understand that people that are doing this are absolutely doing this, and they're attempting to do this out of a good place in their heart. I'm not saying that they're bad people. What I am saying is that they're misguided, they're wrong, and their actions are bad. What they have chosen to do to try to negate past wrongs, of which none of these teachers perpetrated, none of these teachers caused these problems, but yet you're going to punish these teachers for that. That makes no sense. Why don't, how about this, instead of seniority at all, why don't you remove, if you're going to do layoffs, why don't you do random layoffs? where it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what race. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your sexual orientation. You just are fired because they had to lay off teachers and you rabbit out of the hat. Oh, there goes you. Completely random. Nobody gets to say nobody decides, you're removed. We could do it that way. That would actually be quite equal. Everybody has an equal chance of getting in trouble. I mean, seems right to me. It's certainly less abhorrent than this uh, policy, than this idea. Solely based on race, you should fire someone. That's just wrong. I don't care who you are. That's wrong. Now, I'm running out of time to finish this episode, so I want to get to my last story. And it it kind of cracked me up in all honesty. Let me play you a clip to explain what I'm talking about.
1: It gives consumers a tax credit to buy electric vehicles or fuel cell vehicles new or used. And it gives them a credit, a tax credit of up to $7,500 if those vehicles were made in America.
0: Okay, so... The idea is that the Inflation Reduction Act, this was just signed, the IRA, that was just signed into law by Biden, has a seventy-five hundred dollar tax credit for any American who's buying a new or used electric vehicle. Now, that sounds on its face, oh, that's great! I get, you know, I get an incentive to, to buy a vehicle that's going to uh, save the 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 environment, whatever. Right? That's that seems like it's a good thing. Off on the face. Well, the problem is that the, the way that car manufacturers work is they build cars and they try to do their best to price the cars at a place that the average person could buy it. Now, you can look at the economy right now or look, look at the the, the um, used car market right now and you'd be like, are you nuts? That's not what's happening. And you're right. That's absolutely being manipulated and inflated. But if you went to a new car dealership, right, and ordered the car new, you would actually get that car at close to the MR uh, 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 MSRP um, straight from the manufacturer. And so let's use nice, easy round numbers that most people can comprehend, right? If you as a person have $10,000, if the entire economy, everybody has an average of just $10,000 for a car, they can't do any more, they have $10,000, then- the car manufacturers are going to do as best they can. They're going to get there right at $10,000, right? They're going to as close to that, maybe eleven, maybe twelve, but right there as close to $10,000 as they can get because they want you to buy the car. And if you physically cannot buy the car, then it, they don't make any money. So they limit what they're doing. They lower their costs. They make the production as simple as they can. And hey, here's your car, right? And so they need to have enough profit to be able to pay everybody, to then make more cars, right? They have to be able to return profit back into it and keep going. But what happens if you were going to get $7,500 in tax credits at the end of the year? Well, that means most people will have $17,500 that they can throw at a car. So the car manufacturer is saying, oh, They have more money they can actually throw at this because they don't have to have that tax burden at the end of the year. Well, now, why don't we see if we can raise the price to match that? Because it's not going to hurt the consumer. They're getting the tax credit from the government. It's just we're basically getting money from the government. Well, that's ended up actually what has happened, according to the Daily Wire, after Biden uh, announced the $7,500 tax credit for electric vehicles, Ford and GM also raised their prices by similar amounts. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this was on the exact same day. It's not. It was just in the same time period. So I believe GM raised their Hummer price like $6,200 a couple months back. Well, but we already knew that this tax credit was going to be coming in the the IRA. And Ford just announced that they're raising their... Uh, Lightning model by, I think, $7,000, uh, but they're ranging between six and 8500 is what they're raising their models by. And their claim is that it is because of the manufacturing cost and supplies and things like that, that all going up. And that's very well possible that really is what it is. But it just seems interesting to me that at the exact same time that we're going to pump more money into this economy with tax credits, right, um, and with other inflationary measures, it's it, it kind of it just it made me chuckle because if you don't laugh at this you're going to cry. It made me chuckle that anybody thought this was going to end up any differently than it has. We all knew that if we're going to push money into this economy like this, things are going to get inflated. That's what we did. That's what happened. Now we're going to push more money into the economy and expect it to be any different? No. Look, it's going to be the exact same thing. It's still going to be inflated. It's going to get worse. Now that you have a tax credit, they're just going to raise prices to match that because they know you'll pay it. That's how that works. Because people are people like these greedy econ- these greedy uh, businesses. No, no. Because I guarantee you that they have been sitting on a, raising the price because they knew you couldn't afford it, but they were also running out of margin. And people are like, well, they don't need a profit margin. Yes, they do if you want to be employed. They have to have a profit margin. And here's the thing if they want to, they, they want to keep those people employed who then come to your store and buy your food and buy your groceries and buy your shirts, buy your hats, buy your haircuts, the, 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 these people being employed also keep you employed. So, laying off all these people at car manufacturers is not a great idea because, you know, they don't pay you anymore. So, you get laid off, right? So this—that's the way the economy works—is it's all intertwined. But whenever you start adding in all of these tax credits and these things that are just—they don't—they don't really exist in the economy. They're completely made up by the government. You in—you induce inflation. That's how that works. Inflation happens whenever people have less belief in the value of the currency. And right now, people do not value the currency very highly because there's so much of it. It's literally everywhere. It just it 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 made me chuckle that we really ended up having it they they give us tax credits immediately the the car, price of the cars go up that by that a much it just it, I thought it was funny I thought I wanted to cover it now like I said I'm out of time for this episode and I've covered everything so honestly we're just gonna say that hey this is the end of the episode here guys this is where we're gonna call it again. but there's so much more we're going to talk about next time. We have so much more going on. Every episode is always unique. I never know where it's going until we get there, in all honesty. Um, but I'm so glad you guys have been joining me. Remember to like, subscribe, and share. Go to zacksfactcheck.com. Let us know what you think. Let your friends and family know. Until next time, I'm your host, Zach. And this is Zach's Fact Shack.